Great to be with y'all this morning. It's been an interesting week. Hopefully your parenting went well after last week. We talked about parenting. If you missed it, you can go back and catch it. I had some great stories from, from uh, evidently uh, some child in, in our body having to leave the service last week to experience what we were teaching, which was awesome <laughs> that a parent removed them. I got to see a young couple at a restaurant this week, and, and uh, the mom saw the kids not look at me. She goes, hey, make eye contact. I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. Let's go. Uh, at Radius Southside, one of the, there was a new dad who came. He came with three sons, and evidently he was loving the message so much that he would shove the sons every time we said something about parenting. Like he'd, he'd give them a shove, and it bounced from one to another. It's, it's this really interesting place that a lot of us are in as parents. It's work. It's a good work. It's difficult. Figuring out how to discipline in a world that doesn't love discipline anymore is awkward. Figuring out how to love in a world that wants to suck up all of our resources to love ourselves is difficult. So glad to be doing it with you. Hopefully you left last week, whether you're single, married, whether you're done with kids, and and, uh, they're all grown and gone feeling responsible for the next generation. It's our job to get the next generation ready to carry baton. And so you and I have work to do. Glad to be doing it with you. I ended with uh, some verses out of Hebrews last week. I want to read them again. They're some of my favorites when it comes to parenting. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best that they knew how. I always kind of grab that one and hold it. I feel like a parent, like the best that I knew how. I can make a list of the things that I failed at. I know that we fought for it. Cheryl and I fought for it, but there's like... We just couldn't get it all right because we're not all right. And then it says, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there's a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So you got us dads in the room, particularly with this passage, like fighting for it, trying to do it right, discipline and show affection and love trying, fighting for it, and then we've got this picture of God disciplined in a way that is perfect and good for us to try to make us like what? Like himself, holy. He's disciplining us. He's raising us in essence so that we would become like himself. The word obedience comes to mind as you read those verses. There's a trail of obedience that starts in Genesis and it goes all the way through Revelation, verse after verse after verse. We could do a 30-week Bible study on passages about obedience in the Bible. It's supposed to be part of our relationship as we relate to God is this this obedience posture. Obedience means this, to submit to the will of a person who rightfully holds a position of authority. Did you catch that? Submit to the will of a person who rightfully holds authority. I don't know about you, but I got a whole lot of will in here. It's my will. And I like my will. So to submit to somebody else's will is difficult in a land where we, we founded our country on the declaration of, of my will, the in, my own independence, right? Like I don't want to submit to anybody, anywhere. And this, this idea of obedience and this of obedience to God the Father is shocking that we're supposed to submit our will to his will, align with, with what he would have. He's trying to make us like himself. Because healthy is an understatement. He's perfect. He's whole. Not only holy, he's 
whole. There's no flaw. There's no, there's no difficulty in life because he's holy and right. He wants us to experience what he's experienced. So he disciplines us in a way to train us toward that end. So mom and dad in the room, grandma, granddad. We spent a bunch of time last week just talking about some how-tos and talking about raising kids, but maybe, maybe I didn't spend enough time on, hey, if you're trying to train your kids to be something that you're not, I'm not betting on you. I'm not talking about what you used to be. I'm talking about what you are now. Right, what you used to be, maybe you train wrecked life when you were young. I hear you. Like, that's in the past, but who are you now? Like, if you want to train your kids to be somebody different than you are now, that's just really difficult to sell. So there's this fight for us as parents to be who we're arguing for our kids to be. And we fight for it. And we certainly want them to stand on our shoulders, right, and have more and achieve more and be healthier than we ever were. But we have to fight for it in our own lives now to model what it would look like to be who we're disciplining them to be. So I'm going to get off to parents. That's it. Parents, you're off the hook. Like last week was about parenting. No more about parents. This week is about childrening, which I don't think is a word, but I like it. So it's childrening. It's going to be all about kids. And, and we're going to read this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, which is making the book practical for us. And I want to I read it to you. And then kids, you're on the hook today. Here's what it says. Children, starts just speaking straight to you. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Well, this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you'll have a long life on earth. Children, obey your parents. Oh, beautiful. Kids in the room are like, I should have skipped this Sunday somehow, <laughs> but I couldn't. I was obeying my parents, right? <laughs> really interesting that he starts the passage with children. So just so you understand context, when this book was written a couple thousand years ago, you never addressed children. Children were second-class citizens, so they never got addressed. So when the person, the educated person, because it would have had to be an educated person at the church in Ephesus, got up to read this letter from Paul, back in the day, nobody could read, right? 95% of the world was illiterate. So the few guys in the room that could read, they pick it up. They're reading the letter. And when they got to this part, they say children. And all the children in the room be like, is he talking to me? Nobody ever talks to me in our society. So, like, you nudge the kid next to you like, talking to us and dad be back in the back nudging like like last week hey he's talking to you listen and when he hears the, when dad hears the next line he's loving it I'm like yes children obey your parents uh you belong to the lord because you belong to the lord it's this direct communication to kids and i mean kids i know in our room we've got like sixth grade to 12th grade where we consider kind of still at home and some college students may be back today so we'll speak to you as children, even though you're on the process becoming adults. But even the kids, right, back in our other rooms, he's speaking to kids. Why? Why is he addressing them directly? I'll tell you why. Because if they believed in Jesus, then they're every bit a part of this body as I am or any adult is. If they're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, they play a role in this body just like everybody else does. And kids, when you read this, you can't miss that part of your role is obeying your parents. Like it actually gives to this body. When you're in alignment with your parents, it gives to this body. It makes it function well. It makes it healthy. It makes the whole body of Christ healthy. So he's speaking to you as an owner, not as, as a second-class citizen, but directly to you. 
It's really interesting. The passage is not complicated. I, I don't want to insult your intelligence, but uh, he says, Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is a right thing to do. Not too complicated. Right thing to do. It's a natural thing to do. It's been happening in the world for thousands and thousands of years. Kids obey their parents, usually because the parents are, are leading them to obey. But it's also the response of a child, a natural response of the child to want to obey his parents, especially when led well. Tim Keller says this, it's respect for parents that is the basis for every other kind of respect and every other kind of authority. It's the foundation of an ordered society. Really hard to run a country when the kids don't obey their parents. We're starting to feel that a little bit, aren't we? It becomes chaos. And it surprises us that our government can't rein things in. We complain about it all the time, but then we can't rein in our own home. It's the foundation to order society. It's natural. It's normal. It's, it's, it's the law. It's, it's natural, but it's also the law. If you read the Old Testament and you watch how God's forming up his nation, he, he uh, puts out these variety of commandments. And in Exodus chapter 21, there's a really interesting one, kids. You'll love this. Like if you curse your parents or you strike your parents, guess what everybody's supposed to do to you? Stone you. <laughs> that ain't a timeout, is it? Like, like, like. Hey, go get in timeout. We're going to throw rocks at you. Not little rocks, big rocks. We're going to try to hit you in the head with a rock. That's what we're going to try to do. If you hit your daddy, guess what? You might get hit back, not by your daddy, but by a rock. Craziness. I'll read you a couple just so you believe that. Here's what it's Deuteronomy. Suppose a man has a stubborn or rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline. So there is this assumption that the parents are disciplining. In such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders and uh, and they hold court at the town gate, just like we went down to City Hall, down the street. And the parents must say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He's a glutton and a drunkard. We're not assuming he's 12 here, right? Like he's a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the town must stone him to death. In this way, you will purge this evil from among you, and Israel will hear about it and be afraid. Guess how the kids at school would behave if the kid on the seat over there got stoned to death last week for what he did, yes, ma'am, <laughs> right? Like, it's automatic. Proverbs, a book in the Old Testament called Proverbs. It's a book of wisdom. It's a really interesting proverb. It says, the eye that mocks a father. Remember last week we were teaching kids, nice face, nice face. Uh, the eye that mocks a father and despises a mother's instructions will be plucked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. How's that for gross for you? Like, like if you despise your parents, if you put, then, then the ravens are going to... Anyway, it's a crazy verse. I'm sitting in Zoe's yesterday. There's this little boy. He's probably eight. He's either with his grandparents. Hope, hope he's not here. He's either with his grandparents or his parents, and he is talking smack to his grandmother big time. And granddad or dad is like texting, not paying attention. It was... It was embarrassing. I was glad Cheryl wasn't with me because Cheryl would have took him out. But anyway, like he was, he's over there. like He's talking smack to his grandmother. Like I'm reading this verse thinking about talking to you today. I'm like, oh, the ra- where are the ravens at? They come in here taking his kids out. <laughs> like it's, it's funny a little bit, and yet there's this weight on it. You feel it? Like this crazy weight on this commandment because the whole society is held up by the willingness for kids to obey their parents. It makes everything work. It's also spiritual. You probably caught it. It says, 
because you belong to the Lord. So it assumes belief on the child's part that the child believes in Jesus. And so really, kids, and this is heavy, I mean, even when you're 16, to obey your parents is actually an act of worship. Sometimes worship is way harder than singing a song. Sometimes it feels way different than raising my hands. Instead, it's, it's actually denying my will and aligning with my parents. It prepares me for a life of obedience to the living God. It's difficult. Focused a lot on obedience there, but like you, you, hopefully you're catching the give and take, especially with the relationship with God, this, this, this need to obey and also this immense amount of love passed on to us by the Father. This week, um, our campus pastor at, at uh, Radius White Knoll, he called me. It was 5 in the morning. I hear my phone buzzing. You ever had that happen to buzzing? You're like, I think I hear something. I think I finally got it. And uh, his daughter had to be rushed um, into ICU. She, uh, long story, but uh, they had to bring her back with the pad. She's 14. And a uh, very strong, new, young campus pastor over at Radius White No. His voice was quivering. You know why? Because of the deep, deep love for his baby girl. Good news, the Lord has been faithful to them. He's kind of worked, worked through the process, and she's almost fully recovered. We don't, you can pray for them if you want, the Spatak family. But when you read this passage, you got to feel that kind of love from God the Father for us, like so in love with us that his voice quivers when we're in trouble. The strong God of the Bible. And at the same time, he demands obedience from his kids. So they go hand in hand. So are there exceptions to this word obedience. You know, in the United States of America, where we, we have plenty of lawyers, we've got a few in the room, you're always looking for the loophole. Like, like where, where's the exception to the rule? And there, there are exceptions to this rule of obeying your parents. One of them is if they ask you to disobey God. That does not mean tonight when your mom tells you to unload the dishwasher that you can say, well, Jesus told me that uh, we can wait till tomorrow. Like, that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about if she takes you to Walmart and tells you to put something in your pocket and try to sneak out the door, then you go, Mama. And, and some of us chuckle in our room. That's happening in our town today. And then the kid can say, Mom, no, I know Jesus. I can't do that. You go, that, that's really, really difficult for a kid to do. But they can. If they're strong enough and they're willing, they can, they can claim that they're being obedient to God. We're also supposed to obey the laws of our land. That can be a little complicated. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but it can be a little complicated. But if your mom or dad asks you to disobey the laws of the land, like you remember the Major League Baseball game where the dad jumps out of the stands and jumps on a coach and starts wailing on him, and his son goes with him. Remember that? Amazing, like, amazing little clip, at least to me. Maybe I'm a little odd. He's beating on the coach. I'm like, what in the, where is this guy be in Boston? Somebody from the north. Y'all crazy up there anyway. Like, he jumps over the fence, beating on, on his, and his son goes with him. It's a good time for the son to go, like, Dad, it's against the law. for us. We're going to go to jail if we jump over. Instead, he jumped over with his dad, and they both went to jail, right? So you can, there are exceptions to obedience, but the rule is that we obey. And uh, straight up the passage says, kids, it's good for you to obey your parents. I don't mean like good for you just like it looks good. I mean it's good for you, like it's healthy for you. So 
when does all this end? When does all this obedience stuff, does it end? Do you grow out of it? Yeah, yeah, I would imagine you can. As you read the passage, he actually goes from obedience, and then he moves to this word named honor. Honor your father and mother, quoting the commandment from the Old Testament, um, and things will go well for you, and you have a long life on earth. So there's, there's this connection to these commandments in Old Testament in Exodus and Deuteronomy that only talk about honor. It's the core principle that you and I, everybody in the room that's a child, is supposed to honor our parents. And if you're a kid, then you're supposed to obey him. That's how you honor him. As you get older, then you continue to honor and you stop having to obey. So if you're 27, you're married, you got three kids, your mama can't call you and go, I want you to make grits for breakfast, right? You know, mama, I don't want grits. And you, you can say it, it'll be all right. Be like, you can say it sweet, nice if you want to. Mama, I'm not eating grits. Or you can just not answer the phone. All those are okay at 27, right? But not at 7. She says make grits, and you make grits, whether you like it or not. And you eat them. We learned that last week, right? Uh, to honor means to give weight or significance. I thought that was a really interesting, simple definition that gets to the core of this commandment. My job is to give my parents, I'm 54, is to give my parents weight in my life and significance. Easier said than done because oftentimes... I chew up all of my energy with other folks or myself. And so part of my job for life is to continually discipline myself to give them weight and significance. So when does it change from obedience? I don't know. Is it on your 18th birthday? I don't think so. Are they paying your car insurance? Then it's their car? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can walk if you want to, but, like, there's some, there's some give and take there between 18 and 22 or whatever. And if you're 32, you ought to be paying your own car insurance. We've got different problems, right? Like, like, there's this transition from obedience to honoring, and it's abused on both sides. Some kids never grow up. Some parents don't ever want their kids to grow up. And so they'll call their kids and, and quote these verses, like, you're supposed to honor me. I'm like, I'm 42. I, like, like, why are you calling me? with it's like that. There's some stuff that's way out of bounds and abused. We're not talking about that. I'm going to try to talk about the basics. Certainly, when you get married, you're supposed to leave your parents, right? Scriptural. Your mama calls you. You're supposed to honor me. You go, Mom, I left you 10 years ago when I got married. Remember those verses where it says to leave and cleave? As a matter of fact, a tremendous amount of the marriage problems that we have here at Radius are because one or the other, the wife or the husband, have not left their mama. And their mom continues to speak into the marriage, and it's just disruptive. So there's certainly a time to leave and still honor. Uh, what does it look like to honor your parents as a grown person? I thought I'd give you five things. I'm stealing them, borrowing them from a guy named uh, Tim Challies. He, he writes really good articles online godly guy. He, he listed five or six. I must take a few of them. And the first one is just really hard. What does it look like to honor your parents? He says, number one, forgive them. Take the hardest one first. Forgive them. There are no perfect parents. We got some really good parents here at Radius. We don't have any perfect ones. We, we all screw this thing up one way or another. We make some bad decisions. We create some wounds. We personally have lived poorly at times. We create some wounds. 
Every child in here, and everybody in here is a child one way or another, has a little bit of a wound from a parent because your parents are sinners. There's was, there was, there was something there that hurts you. Some of those wounds are really, really slight. You can barely see the scar, and some of you have wounds that I cannot imagine, that I've not experienced. They're deep, and we question how they could ever heal. So when I say forgive them, I don't say it lightly or like we're going to get that accomplished in the next 20 minutes. But you want to work to a process of forgiveness? There's a word called resentment. A great way to explain resentment is that uh, a person who resents someone else, certainly if you resent your parents, it would be like you continuously picking a scab. We talked about this in the past. And you almost become addicted to the blood that comes from the wound and to the pain that comes from removing the scab, and you really never allow it to heal over and scar. And so eventually your parents' sin against you is constantly in the center of your mind because you're always thinking about that scab on your knee. The younger kids in the other rooms, they know all about picking scabs. That's like half their life. Like they're picking scabs. But for, they're, it's so unhealthy when it comes to this kind of root of bitterness that we can hold towards somebody else. And they just stay in the center of our minds. Whether they mean to or not, there they are and they own us. So you, for your own health, one of the ways you can honor your parents is to forgive them for the little things and even work to forgiveness with uh, some of the biggest things. I know in room this size, there's been certainly manipulation, and there's been far worse. There's been just straight-up abuse. So when I say forgive, I'm not talking about, like, breaking down all the boundaries and just letting somebody back into your life that's been abusive. Those boundaries might stand forever to protect you and your family and the people that you love. But at the same time, you want to work toward forgiveness. Keep the boundaries and work toward forgiveness to free yourself in, in some ways. But also to honor where you came from. Your mom and dad. Some people in the room are saying, I don't even know my mom and dad. And other people are saying, you don't know my mom and dad. You're right. Um, so I speak as carefully as I can. This is a subject when we open it up, we could talk about it for weeks on end. Um, We'd love to help you if you got some deep wounds. We'd love to work you through. We have a few resources we can work you through. Uh, we could also refer you to somebody who can, can give you some real counsel. But in order to honor your parents, you got to work toward forgiveness. Number two, speak well of them. Again, immediately size them. Have you met my dad? I hear you. So just don't speak of him. Speak well of them. Last week I did this. I held my hand up like this, and I went through the generations of the Reeves family, Cece, my dad, me, my kids, my grandkids, and I spoke about how I stand on Larry's shoulders. It wasn't very complicated. didn't say a whole lot about my dad, but, but I spoke well of him. That honors him. It wasn't complicated. I spoke well of him. You got that same opportunity. I realize everybody has a, has a different father, a different situation, so you have to figure out how to work it. Our friends with fathers in jail. How do you talk about your dad in jail? Well, you, don't, you try not to speak evil of him. You speak, you speak, hey, he's doing well. You can speak of something he's doing well in jail. There's these ways. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the people who speak well of their parents, they, they really seem to be healthy people. 
And I know folks that have great parents and folks that have not, have not so great parents, but they speak well of their parents. It, it kind of holds them in a spot. They might keep up these very strong boundaries, but they discipline themselves not to speak down about their parents. Now, certainly, there's a place where you want to be real, and you got a few relationships where you want to speak about your parents openly. To have somebody help carry the burden, that's completely appropriate. It just shouldn't be all the time. Speak well of them. Speak well to them. I pulled out my toothbrush uh, just recently, and, and my sticky notes are sticking right up under there. Some of, you, some of you husbands took that note, and it's working out good for you. I got a Sharpie beside it because Cheryl really likes it when I write her a note. Stick it on the mirror, then, then she, for, you know, and I'm no poet, so there's nothing special on these things. Just, I'm just speaking well of her on and Stick it on the mirror, and then she keeps it on the mirror forever, and then it transfers to the cabinet. See, like, speaking well of her means something, and when our kids speak well to her, it is, it's hilarious. She, one of the boys will come in the house like, Mom, you like my shirt? They're doing it on purpose. They go, yeah, I love that shirt. They'll go, goodwill. And they got a little smirk on their face. And they'll go, you taught me that, right? Speaking well of it. Like, they learned that from the mama. They're cheap. Is that right? I mean, maybe thrifty, 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 something like that. They, they're going to go, and they ain't going to Kohl's. They ain't going to Kohl's. They're going to Goodwill or anyway, somewhere. What's a little store up here? Anyway, they, they're going to go to some store, and they want their mama to be proud of them. They're actually giving her praise by doing that. I talked to my mom this week. Every time I talk to her on the phone, I'm sure I should talk to her more. She says something that just makes my day when you call me. And then if I'm wise enough in the phone call, which I am at times, I'll tell a story about one of her grandkids, and I'll tell her how the grandkids got that from her, like it was passed through me generation to generation. And then she'll go, oh, John. <laughs> That's like when you make somebody cry. You own it, right? Like you're speaking well to them. It's great at the dinner table sometimes when my whole family's hanging out. You try to get my dad to tell a story, right? Like it, it's a way to speak well of him in the group. You have him tell a story of the past. You know the story. You've probably heard it 43 times. But to hear it again, it speaks. you're speaking well of him. Number four, seek their wisdom. Again, some of y'all are like, bro, my mom is not the wisest person. What is she wise about? Like, can she bake? Then ask her about baking. Can your dad fix a dryer? Then ask him about, like, he's terrible with finances. He didn't do a good job with the family. Is there something you can ask them for wisdom about? In the early years of marriage, uh, I invited my dad over to help me paint because my dad was, like, he's always fixing stuff at the house. I thought it would honor him. He painted my living room. I think it took him 35 minutes. He rolled the corners. I don't even know how you do that. He rolled the corners. And afterwards, Cheryl's like, never again. I'm like, you're right. You're right. Like, I was trying to honor my dad, and it wasn't in the area that he had a lot of wisdom, and yet he, he, uh, he executed, right? Like, he got the job done. He got done in record time. So I don't ask him to paint anymore, but my dad's pretty good with finances. So I want to know. He's a great negotiator. If I'm going to buy a car, I want to know what he would do because he knows how to get the best deal. He loves the Bible. So it really honors him when I asked him what he thinks about a particular passage in the Bible. You don't have to ask him for wisdom on everything, but seek their wisdom on something that they know. Even, even most parents, even the ones that aren't so great, have something you see a little you could ask wisdom from. Final one, five, six, whatever. Uh, you got to be prepared to support and provide for them at some point. That's what honoring looks like. I don't know about you, but I paid for six kids for 
18 plus years. I've done a lot of providing. And evidently, it will be right for my kids to be prepared to take care of me. In our country, that oftentimes doesn't mean financially. In other countries, in other cultures, to honor your parents, you'd move them in your house. And they would look at us and the way we roll in our country like, yeah, that's totally like, dishonoring. There's kind of two camps, and each camp has its strengths and weaknesses, and we could talk about that in another, another sermon. But certainly we need to be prepared to support and provide, particularly in the later years of life. And that, that may not involve any dollars. As a matter of fact, for some of you, when I say that, you know, I can't get my dad another dollar because he's abused that so, so badly. For the others, you'll be responsible at some point. And that is a, a terrific way to honor your parents. This uh, subject is just so loaded. I hope you catch um, how crucial it is to a society and even more so to the, to the church. Kids, and that's all of us, how we treat our parents shows how we treat our God. The way when you're young, you obey your parents is kind of the way you learn to obey Jesus. And as we get older and continue to honor our parents, it reminds us to honor the death burial on Jesus Christ for the rest of our lives. And that is difficult to do. I don't know about you, but I can get running along and I just forget. Remember what Jesus said? Remember. <laughs> and our parents put all those years in and, and all that work in, and, and then we kind of forget 20 years later or 40 years later. Yet, yet that shaped me, and it connects me well to who my God is. The passage has one line I didn't speak much to. It says, if you honor your parents, your father and mother, things will go well with you, and you'll have a long life on earth. Think about that. Just as a possibility, if every kid in this room obeyed his parents for the next week, what do you think this room would look like next week? If every grown kid in this room, like we took, made an effort this week to reach out to our parent, write them a note, shoot them a text, make them a phone call, go visit them, have a little conversation and, and honor them, what do you think the room looks like? Do we look better or worse? Do we look healthier or less healthy? I'm going to tell you, man. <laughs> if you outside of Jesus wanted to fix our country, you would go right to this commandment right here. You go right to this commandment. If we could just fix the home, if we could get kids aligned with their parents and parents in love with their kids, we could fix this thing really, really fast. That's why it's this crucial part of the Bible. God the Father, when he lays out the Ten Commandments, he gives Four commandments about himself, right? All about loving God. Five commandments about loving your neighbor, right? The last five. And then this one, this, this one in the middle about honoring your mother and father. It, it, in some way or another, almost like it's the segue or the connection between the two. On the one hand, as you obey and honor your parents, it really prepares you for obeying and honoring God. On the other hand, as, as you learn to love and discipline your kids, it really teaches you how to love other folks. It connects the two. It's this powerful commandment right in the middle, and most of us are living it right now. It is our biggest testimony in this town, how we relate as father and mother and son and daughter. Speaks to the greatness of God. 
speaks to our Savior. Some of us have, and we've, some of y'all are in a spot where you got a kid just in the ditch. And I feel that 100%. We've lived that. Then let's fight for it, right? We're going to get together here tonight at 630. You want to come and pray? We're going we're gonna to be right out here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for our kids. Some of us have a father or mother that's just in the ditch. We've done everything we can to get them out of the ditch. We've tried to honor. We've obeyed when we were a kid. We fought for this thing, and we can't get it right. And so we fight for it, and we pray. And so you're welcome to come tonight and pray for your father or your mother. This thing is deep. It's deeply connected to who we are, and so we feel it. And oftentimes the right and only thing is to pray. I'll read you one verse in closing. Jesus was a son. He had a father, a perfect father, and his perfect father asked him to do something. Hebrews, I mean, Philippians chapter 2 says this. Jesus, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So students in the room, when it's difficult to obey, remember Jesus. By the way, kids in the room, we want you to love Jesus more than you love your parents. That's our goal at Radius. He loves you more than your parents love you. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So when we take the bread and juice here in just a minute, you're remembering a son who was obedient to his father. A son and a father and the Holy Spirit, I don't know if scheme is the right word, who put together a plan to make you children, their children, so that we could call the Father our Father and enjoy the benefits of being his children. Let's pray together. So much, so much there, Lord. One, one way I read your word right there, it seems really uncomplicated. And then I look at our room and recognize all of our different stories, and it's just really complicated. So I pray, Holy Spirit, in your goodness that you'll be the teacher of that passage to us. You show us how to apply it. Lord, I... I grieve with the folks in the room that have deep wounds from their parents. I pray that you'd heal them, that you'd make them healthy. They'd know where the boundaries need to be and when to adjust the boundaries one way or another, that you give them uh, peace in that process where there's pain and even just this disruptive relationship. Help them, Lord. In our room, Lord, we have kids that need to grow up. We have parents that need to let go. Got all kinds of moving parts in this room, Lord. Teach us how to be good parents and good children. Show us how to be like you, Jesus. Certainly, Father, we want to obey you. We want to be able to hear you when we're reading your word or even when you nudge us during the day to do something. Pray for help as we seek to obey you. We're obeying you now. 
Jesus, you, uh, you told us to not forget what you did on the cross. And so we take the bread and juice in remembrance. And we call you great for your sacrifice. And Father, we celebrate your sacrifice of your son. We do all this in Jesus' name. Amen.